0: Tie, tie. Still sipping my ties Sitting courtside Nicks and Nets give me high five Nigga I be spiked out I could trip a referee Tell by my attitude That I most definitely from What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Sports Throne podcast. Um, I am Brandon, of course, your host. Um, today is a bit of a special edition of an episode. We are solely going to talk about the Yankees and give our emergency reaction to their postseason exit and, you know, the, the whole 2020 season um, as well as what we're going to see going forward. Um, so I do have three other big, big-time Yankees fans and Sports Throne contributors on with me today. Um, first, we have James back on. Uh, hello, James. What's
1: up? i old, man. It uh, seems to be same story uh, about fourth or fifth verse uh, as the way the Yankees are going in the playoffs.
0: <laughs> uh, yep, yep. And we'll, we'll, of course, get into that. That's for sure um then i also have uh, tyler here hello tyler greetings how's everyone doing welcome back and then uh we have tyler's brother mj coming in uh calling in from colorado um what's up hey guys thanks for having me on excited to be here yeah yeah absolutely and i'm glad we uh we have some time here to uh uh talk talk about the yankees talk about everything we saw this season um and you know go way in depth in it so i hope all of our yankees fans yankees fan listeners um you know will, will put out some good content there for you um but honestly i think what we're gonna mainly talk about today um of course our immediate reaction to uh you know the yankees season ending over the weekend in the american league division series against tampa bay um what we saw from the 2020 season as a whole Um, And then kind of what we expect to see with the roster and just, you know, every, uh, you know, managerial positions in the future. Um, So let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, So immediate reaction to the Yankee season ending. So we, of course, know they played a five game series, went to five games. Um, They lost to the Rays three games to two. Um, So I don't know who wants to go first. But uh, you know, give give a uh, a reaction kind of of how you felt right after them losing. Should we go positive or negative first?
2: Um, all at once,
0: whatever you want to do, man.
3: <laughs> well, to start it off on the positive side, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Hicks carried the offense. Uh, we saw vintage Stanton, and we saw good at pass from Hicks. And then Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery were absolute nails on the mound. I think, you know, I maybe we can parse it out a little bit and everybody can talk. I don't want to go on a large rant by myself, but I definitely wanted to start off by naming those four individual performers as being positives and things to, and with Montgomery and Hicks being pleasantly surprised, Stanton looked good in the box. He hit some major home runs. He got on base. He got base hits. And then Garrett Cole was just
2: everything that you could have wanted Garrett Cole to be. So just starting off on some positives Mm. there. Yeah. So I, kind of going off that I think this postseason we kind of saw like the epitome of what the Yankees could be at their best and at their worst like throughout the season when they were on their hot streaks like they were six home runs in an inning and whatever but then like when they were struggling they couldn't do anything right runners on base couldn't score them grounding into double plays all that kind of stuff and I feel like we saw both like ends of the spectrum uh, in well I guess the first series was mostly good but then the second series saw a little bit of both
1: uh ultimately what it came down to is it just shows that i think really uh aaron boone got exposed a little bit he everybody had kind of their opinion of him either you know either you loved him or you hated him i think he lost a lot of support in about five days by some of the absurd moves that he made with that start with Garcia going to JA Happen in one inning when everybody knows JA Happ is not overpowering against left-handed hitters and basically you know, which is why they said they brought him in was to force Kevin Cash to change his lineup which you know everybody knows JA Happ really doesn't overpower anybody anymore yeah so mm-hmm. I, that was an absurd move. I don't know why anybody would think that's a good idea. And also, why would you bring Araldis Chapman in in the in the seventh inning when Zach Britton was rolling and not even not letting anybody uh, you know get on base? So what? What? Why were these moves being made? Ultimately, it showed that Boone okay. was trying to. I, I one quote. I forget the writer. But they said the Yankees lost the series when Aaron Boone tried to outray the Rays. He tried to go, way too, he tried to go Absolutely. way too sabermetrics on it, and it really showed that you know is Aaron Boone a manager or is he just basically the guy in there doing the bidding for the uh, Ivy League uh, T-ball veterans who are making up the front office? <laughs> so I, I don't know what I I my opinion on Aaron Boone has swayed very drastically because last year I he had my full support booth when you can get a team to win a hundred games when you have 30 trips to the IL that that to me shows that this is a guy that knows how to manage and can get the best out of people this this season very much too streaky there were there were two weeks where it was like oh my god nobody will ever beat this team there's no way we can lose then there's like a week straight where we can't get anybody out and it's ultimately just like you know like you pick one are you going to be winners or are you going to be losers all the time like no i'd rather you just be consistently won, don't have this, you know, bait and switch all season long. So really, uh, the Aaron Boone, I think, really did himself in this October. And we'll see uh, if the fan, if he stays in good graces with the fans or not.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, James, you nailed it for the mm-hmm. most part there. Um, I think my biggest issue with Boone, this didn't really pop up during, I guess it did during the postseason a little bit, but mainly during the regular season when they were struggling, there was no sense of urgency from Boone nope. or any. Whatsoever to correct it. No they accountability. No accountability. The only
1: person exactly. on that team that gave any accountability in a press conference was Luke Voigt.
2: Exactly. So I just... And Aaron Judge did after they lost. But during the season, I think they they just... I don't know. There was a word I was looking for and I can't. I lost it. But I think accountability is a good word. And I know I've used this with MJ a lot. as the word Urgency. Um, and they just kind of lacked that. Boone just didn't have, like, they were here. It is they were almost arrogant. They were too confident in the fact that they were just gonna figure it out somehow without making any. Change. It would be handed yeah, exactly. To them. And well, I think that kinda hurt them in the division series too. I think they just kind of they Aaron Boone and the organization they rely on these analytics, and I think analytics are great to build a team, and they're great over a long season. But when you get into a short series, things aren't going to even out like that. These are still human beings. They have to go out and make things happen. You can't just sit back kind of passively and wait for these things to happen. And I feel like they just didn't do any of that. Exactly
1: yes, right I remember I remember at one point I think it was the game where they gave up the 10 runs in one inning to the Blue Jays in Buffalo uh Paul O'Neill even turned on him in a moment when he said you know it doesn't matter that you know everybody was talking all off season that you guys are you know the favorites to win you know just showing up and because everybody you know says you're great doesn't mean you're gonna win you gotta actually go out there and freaking do it you can't just you know expect to win you know the the, the the attitude this year was really terrible
3: yeah i i mean i going back to what tyler said about the arrogance i got the sense that they just this is kind of piggybacking off what tyler said they felt like they were entitled to the victory i found a loop right. i went back into mm. luke voigt was definitely like you said james the most vocal yankee this season and i was going back through some of his quotes and he was saying even in the playoffs like hey trust the process. We're going to win the games and stuff. And I think that that attitude really hurt them. And then going back to Boone decisions, one that I really wanted to talk about was when, uh, Higgy got pinch hit in the eighth inning of game five. And this was before the home run. So it was a one, one game. And I remember texting Tyler and Brandon being like, why is Mike Ford hitting? And so Mm. some stats from this season, Mike Ford hit a whopping 135 batting average in the regular season over 84 plate appearances, 74 at-bats. He got 10 hits in 74 at-bats. In the 2020 regular season, Higgy had 10 hits in 32 at-bats, which is almost half of the at-bats. Um, that Um uh, So that... Sorry. Higgy against right-handed batters, or right-handed pitchers, had 10 hits in 32 at-bats. Uh... Mm -hmm. And they brought in Ford supposedly to hit the righty and that Higgy couldn't hit the righty. But Higgy got the same amount of hits that Ford did against righties in the regular season in half the number of at-bats. Plus, at the time, Higgy had been four for 13 and was hitting above 300 in the ALDS. And Mike Ford hadn't gotten a hit since August. So that was just one of those, I don't know what the analytics were showing them. Because even if you just look at the basic stat lines it seemed like Higgy or somebody else off the bench was the right answer there. Um, well, I think you probably just wanted the yeah, righty I lefty think that's matchup. Exactly.
2: I think James mentioned how, you know, even though Hap struggled against left, left-handed hitters, they did it anyway. So I think they just kind of looked, must've looked at a generic, just righty lefty matchup rather than really digging into like the player. And I mean, like you said, Higgy was pretty hot. He was having good at bats that whole series. Um and, even more like if even if he didn't do anything at the plate, I still take his defense over Sanchez uh in the day of the week and obviously mm. they had to put Sanchez in then because they went to Ford. And honestly, if you're gonna pinch hit for Higgy there, I would have rather seen Sanchez up there than Mike Ford. And mm. before we move away from the ALDS, I just want to talk
3: about three other performances. Luke Voigt, the big Sam Yeah, go ahead. Two for eighteen in the ALDS. 2 for 18 and his home run in game 4 was the only RBI he had in the division series. And he looked terrible at the plate.
0: I mean, especially yeah, you're not going to win a you're not going to win a playoff series when the home run leader and arguably your best one of your best hitters from the regular season, um, is just yeah, and, hitting I mean, like he that in, good the in the wild card.
3: He was three for seven in the wild card. He had a couple of big doubles. I was really excited about him, but he just did not show up in the ALDS. Aaron Judge three for twenty one in the ALDS. His two runs scored from the home runs and only three RBIs. And then even DJ Lemayhew, the batting average uh, hit king, um, six for twenty three in the ALDS. Two RBIs and three runs scored and. I just, I don't know the exact numbers, but I remember DJ coming up in some big spots. And you can say, well, he had an 11 or 12 game postseason hit streak, but it doesn't matter if the hit is coming in the eighth inning when you're already losing or, and you're just striking out when the bases are loaded and no outs, which happened a lot in the so, ALDS.
2: I think what we saw with like Lameki and Judge kind of was like, I guess more so Mayhew. like his stats are there kind of like it's not awful, but it was those clutch spots where, you know, guys on base, they didn't come through. And I think that was true as a team with the exception of, uh, John Carlos Stanton. And that was kind of like when they were slumping in those like series in Buffalo and stuff, that was the issue is when they had guys on base, they couldn't get them in. And that kind of haunted them. Um, you know, they were able to get hits and get guys on base. It was just at that point then they couldn't do much. James, do you have anything to add? Before yeah, I mean, move you know, a bit here? they
1: pre- pretty much rode the uh, Luke Voigt's bat and DJ G- LeMay, who is, uh, you know clutch hitting throughout the season. When those guys don't come through offensively, you know, you need to <laughs> you need to do it because even though you know the Rays aren't a team full of stars, they're a team that you know, can shut you down, you know, and you, they don't have any names that pop, really pop out other than Snell, Snell and Glass now on the pitching staff, but you, you got to have those guys come through. Like, you know, think about it. And the last time the Yankees were on a run, you, you always had guys that you, you knew anytime coming up in October, they could get the big hit. Like, you know, Derek Jeter, you knew he, he you stood a good chance with him in the World Series. Scott Brocious was the last guy you wanted to have come to the plate. Paul O'Neill would throw a fit if he didn't get that big hit. Tino always came up huge. Yeah, you, know, you, you you the the people that you pay to be, you know, your offensive leaders, and then you know, and of course, like somebody mentioned, the small sample size before in the playoffs, you have to play every, like you know, every pitch. You can't play every, you know, homestand. It's a very, it's a different set of circumstances when you get to the uh, compressed, uh, you know, do or die moments.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. So. I mean, we I feel like in that, we kind of discussed and touched on what we saw from the 2020 season as a whole. I don't know if anybody wants to add some comments before we move on even more about, you know, kind of just this whole oh, season actually, that we had. one
2: thing I want to throw in, I just thought of this. Garrett Cole sure. is what they signed up for. Uh, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had those rough starts in the regular season. Uh, but then he was solid in the postseason. And that start in Game 5 was, I mean, that's that's what they paid him for this ace, and although he didn't get the length that you would have wanted, he was able to grind through it, struggled early, but found it, and just completely shut down the race.
3: Also, length, he was on three days rest. You weren't going to get much... I mean, I was very happy with the length we got from
2: Garrett Cole. Right, yeah. Garrett Cole, good mm-hmm.
0: job. Um, So, yeah, definitely... Um, you know, I, I think Cole was, you know, definitely the highlight of the playoffs for the Yankees, at least. Um, and it, it, I know I don't like playing the what if game, but I'm going to do it anyway. What if we had a a healthy and, you know, a, a healthy James Paxson, Luis Severino? I think that would change the
2: Yankees uh performance uh, entirely but uh let's well, not let's well, not go that, too far into that the and what if game what there is. is kind of relevant because I've seen some people try to attack like Aaron Boone in the front off uh, not Aaron Boone Brian Cashman mm-hmm. in the front office but they built I think and we'll get into this with the offseason moves I think the roster is very well built I just think there's mm-hmm. this well obviously those couple injuries hurt but there's this the attitude is what bothered me the most, and I think that's what's holding them back. Right? Yeah, because definitely with a you know a full, especially a full rotation of everybody healthy,
0: I think you know nobody could stop right. that. Um, you know that that rotation. With you have a healthy Severino Paxton, you have Cole leading the way. You have, have uh, budding. Yeah, exactly. And then you have like David Garcia. You have Montgomery. So you have some depth there. So that sh- I think that that would change the whole uh, um kind of picture there, but. Like I said, we don't have to dive into the what-if game too much with that because it is what it is. Um, But yeah, now that's a good segue into kind of the the current roster. Um, So I think we should start with the status of Aaron Boone, the manager. Um, I know he is probably going to be under um, a little bit of fire right now. I know his contract is up, um, and I'm sure the front office is going to have to make a decision of whether they're going to get him a new contract or they might move on from him. And, uh, you know, maybe look for a new managerial candidate. Um, so uh, whoever wants to start and kind of uh, say so their opinion I think on Aaron this, Aaron Boone ahead.
3: lost his job officially when he was asked post-game five if the season was a failure and he took offense to that question. I don't. Yes. I. You know, and I've talked to some people who aren't Yankees fans or stuff and they're, they're oh, well, how do you measure failure and stuff like that? but this is the Yankees and the way that it's been run ever since the Steinbrunners took over is you either win or it's a failure. There's that famous quote from when Brendan Steiner was interviewing Derek Jeter. And, you know, he said that a season is a failure unless you're holding the trophy at the end. And so in my personal opinion, that was when I saw Aaron Boone lose most of his support on social media. I know that doesn't speak for the entire Yankees fan base, but that was certainly not a moment where I felt, confident. Um any of my hesitancy in one way or the other was uh solidified when he said that and uh, I mean
2: I think with that he has to he's on his way out. Well and I think mm. I agree a hundred percent. Like I was before that like I was pretty against him. But then when he said that I was like I mean he just if it were up to me he would there's no way he would be in that dugout on opening day. <laughs> but I think The team as a whole has kind of lost that edge about them. And Voigt kind of said when they were struggling, like, you know, we're not the way the Yankees should be. No one's scared of us, kind of. And so I think they've lost that overall edge. And I was going to cite that interview with Jeter, too, where he just... I mean, I don't know exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of, I mean, there's no excuse for losing. Uh, Even if you get to the World Series, you lost. There's nothing good about it. Um, And I think... That's what's kind of plagued them this last few years. They just, I don't know, There's they don't have that, that grit or that edge about them anymore. And I think that's in part to Aaron Boone. I think he just doesn't have the ability to motivate the guys like that. Um, and I think Joe Girardi, I was, when they let him go, I was on board with that. But I think when he left, they kind of lost that little edge in that, you know, it was yeah, yeah, kind of like that fire yeah, under
0: here's... them. Um, I, I don't think Boone Boone has that ability. While I think Girardi had that a little bit more, kind of like like I said, lighting that fire under them and you know getting them uh, kind of motivated and uh, you know yeah. like actually yeah, make I stuff mean like look
2: sure. at the 2017 team, there was like no expectations, mm-hmm. and they were the worst team. They were worse than eight the 2018 team, 2019 team, 2020 team, but they had that kind of like. Backs against the wall, we just gotta go win and that's it, kind of mentality. And I feel like these guys mm-hmm. don't really have that. Um and there's just no sense of urgency. We keep going back to yeah. them. They just don't have that edge about them. Yeah. I think Boom mm-hmm. Boom
0: got a little too cute sometimes too, and like Um, that's what I didn't really love and of course we saw that exposed in the ALDS with some of his uh, controversial moves that we discussed Um, as well I just think too he in a lot of losses he made a lot of almost kind of excuses in post game interviews and didn't really take credit for something he was never really too much like that's on me Um, and he just kind of was like well you know and you know made some kind of weak excuses from time to time Um, Um, well really
1: I, I, I just think he's way more of that coach that's not gonna Push you to be better. He's the kind of coach that's gonna be there to like kind of console you and kind of like maybe like build your self esteem back up. But is he gonna be that coach that takes you to another level? Probably not. I just I just don't see him being that guy that you know really forces you or like gets you kind of like really like amped up and says you know what you know he makes me wanna he makes me wanna be better. You know, he, he'll, he'll help you when you're down, but he's not gonna he's not gonna push you over the edge to get you to be that elite team like Joe Torre would. Like Joe Torrey would get in his players' faces and basically say, hey, you're not doing it, you know, get your shit
2: together. Right. And James, I think a good example of that is Gary yeah. Sanchez. Oh, way you too know, soft. Jo- Joe Girardi got so much criticism for being too hard on Gary Sanchez and, you know, saying publicly that he needed to get better defensively and all this stuff. But the second Joe Girardi walked out that door and Aaron Boone came in, and they kind of coddled Gary Sanchez, that's when he fell off. He's he's
1: slowly regressed Mm -hmm. worse and worse every single year. And the funny thing, 2017, when Joe Girardi was the manager, was his best postseason performance. After that, he's done nothing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I definitely would not be surprised if, you know, they they can him uh, in a few weeks here. Um, I'm sure the front office is trying to make that decision right now. but otherwise, I mean, let's get into, I mean, if they do fire him, who do we think or who do we want to potentially see as the new Yankees manager on opening day in 2021? Um, and, so I've got know, anybody can start uh,
2: two names for you. I know I've talked to each of you about Hensley Mullins recently, yep. and he's a guy who I wanted uh, when they were hiring mm-hmm. and they ended up with Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who's been around baseball. He's a baseball lifer. Um but he was also with those Giants teams when they were on their little dynasty. So I think there's a good winning uh, attitude mm-hmm. with him. Uh, he also played with the Yankees uh, when he was, for a short time when he was playing. Um, so he kind of has a little experience with New York. Um, and he also, I believe, like Didi Gregorius, speaks like five or six different languages. Uh, he was the manager of the Netherlands team in the yeah. World Baseball Classic. So I think kind of he can relate to players of different like nationalities as well. So he can relate to the guys. I think he's a winner and I, he has experience in New York. So he would be my first uh, target. And then number two, I would say, I don't see this one happening, but Rob Thompson, uh, the old bench coach under Joe Girardi, he was in the Yankee organization for like 30 or 40 years until he left with Girardi and then ended up in Philly. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, New York has the experience with the organization and kind of a winner as well. I agree. I
1: wanted I wanted uh, Hensley Mullins to be the, the selection back after Girardi left. And, you know, like uh, like Tyler pointed out, he speaks English, Spanish, Dutch uh, Japanese and, uh, some, I, I can't pronounce this language properly. I'm going to mess it all up, but it's like Dutch Caribbean. But he, uh, he, he's got that. To me, I just see it in his eyes. He has like that drive to win. Like I, he just looks like a guy who's like laser focused and has like that. Win- and, and again, this is pure conjecture and looking at photographs, but I just like, I just like the expression on his face. He seems very locked in. And I think he would do very well in New York and the fact that, and, you know, he speaks Japanese, maybe that could help sway uh, Masahiro Tanaka to come back and maybe could help them kind of connect on a closer level. Who knows if, if something like that could be an alluring thing to uh, other players and this is going to sound nuts and I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this, but my second choice for a manager for the Yankees to bring in, (laughs) if it's not um, uh, Hensley Mullins is I would honestly give AJ Hinch a shot.
2: Uh dude! What right when you said oh, I'm probably God. gonna pick some flack for this? That was my first thought. Was please don't say AJ <laughs> Hinch. Please don't say AJ. Uh, Hinch. I, I, well, and I, the White Sox, well, the Astros, it it seems gonna try like, to bring him back in.
1: Well, yeah, true. The White Sox pretty much cleared right. the deck for either him or Cora, or the Detroit Tigers or another choice uh, because they have two. They have back to back, you know, number right. one overall picks.
2: You got something to look forward to that you're building. MJ, any thoughts on the managerial candidates?
3: No. I, once again, Mullen seems the mm-hmm. best for me. Um, one, if we're just throwing out pipe dreams, uh, Don Madden, yeah, Don Maddenly or Jorge Posada in the Marlins organization right now would right. be good. Oh, man. Yeah. I think the, Donnie as as loves I said it's a pipe Marlins dream, but they right both uh, were winners and <laughs> leaders in New York, and they both know the organization mm-hmm. and the media um i think that those would be uh some good change i also think that those two have some guts and maybe would be able to stand up to the front
2: office a little bit i think we're missing that mm-hmm. so um i think i think those are two very good uh options just cuz what you just said is that they kind of have that that edge about them and they i mean they would do whatever it took to win and i think that's kind of what the yankees are missing
0: yeah absolutely um. Yeah, I don't really have any other specific candidates. Uh, Dark Horse, guys, Eric.
2: Kratz, what do you guys think
3: about um, oh, A Rod? Uh, but <laughs> with Beltron being also in the same category as AJ Hinch, do you think A Rod comes in as a candidate?
2: No. Did A Rod interview last time?
3: I have I no idea.
1: Dabbled I with the, I don't think he officially interviewed, but I think he dabbled publicly I with the idea. Know. I think he said, "If the Yankees yeah. call me, I'll take the. I'll take the uh, call." Uh,
0: I think.
2: Yeah, I would. We...
0: Yeah, I think too. Um, he's just—he's probably. T- I think he's too, um, into the ownership world now. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna bother
2: wanting to be a manager. I would. I would. Um, but who knows? I would want him? Um, but I don't think. But he's yeah. gonna get into managing. He's got too many. outside.
1: I think he'd be great. He has too many outside business interests. I don't think where so Managing either. would take
3: that. Managing would take it
1: away from.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he's on to he's onto bigger things. I think at this point. Um. And in terms of Eric Kratz, I know obviously I don't, I wouldn't want him as a manager yet, but definitely I think they need to keep him in the organization. We saw reports how all the you know kind of younger pitchers in the minors loved working with him, and he was a lot of fun. Um, I can see him as a future you know double or triple A coach, and or even you know like a bench coach in the future. So I think that's a guy you. I need think to there keep will come a day where we see Eric sure. Kratz
2: as a manager in the MLB. Um, obviously, he's going to need some. Mm-hmm. Co- coaching experience either as like a minor league manager or like you said, a bench coach or something. Right. But I think at some point he'll definitely be a manager. And I just wanted to make mm-hmm. one more point uh, about the whole managerial situation and how kind of Aaron Boone didn't work out, in my opinion. I think when they let go of Joe Girardi, they were Joe Girardi was so old fashioned and like this hard, tough guy, and they tried mm-hmm. to get as opposite as they could Uh, they tried for this kind of analytically driven guy who was going to basically listen to the front office and just kind of be like the spokesperson uh and be sort of like a puppet and we've seen that with a lot of teams but i think Mm -hmm. overall when they were looking for girardi's replacement they just overcorrected too much so i think you do need to kind of balance the scales a bit you want to find someone who understands the analytics and know what the front office is doing but also can, you know, get into his players when they need to be riled up or make the tough decisions in game that I just don't think Aaron Boone has been able to do. Nope.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And
1: I, I, I was just yeah. going to say, I, I think that it was way too drastic of a shift that when they when they left Girardi and went to Boone, and you know, Aaron Boone, you know, went from being a, a broadcaster to being a manager. I mean, you gotta have somebody that knows how to make those in-game moves second to what, you know, the, the front office people tell you to do. I mean, you have to, you have to trust your gut. You can't go off of statistics all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, if you guys don't have anything else regarding the managerial situation, um, I think we, if you want to talk a little bit about the current roster and then we can get into, you know, free agency names. Um, I know, But kind of the hot topic at this point is, do we move on from Gary Sanchez? You know, he was a very highly regarded prospect back in the, Around 2016, he came up. Um, you know, he's had definitely a couple fantastic seasons. He clearly has a lot of power. Um, he, I think he's improved a bit behind the plate after he had some, you know, definitely some trouble um, as the catcher. Um, but, you know, obviously this year, he had an absolutely abysmal season. Um, so now I think you need to make the decision of if you're going to move on from him and maybe pursue so a new catcher. And free I'll agency. start
3: with this. Uh, I think we're done with Gary Sanchez. I think his trial run is over. Um, I remember last year, we were really touting up Austin Romine, and this year, uh, Higashioka really started to stand out, Um, and one of the things we were planning on talking about was Miguel Andujar also, I I think it's time to make a play for Real Muto after just being thrown by the wayside by the Phillies. I think you have to do everything you can to uh, try to get Real Muto, he's the best catcher in the league, and... The Phillies are not, um, they're not a stable team right now. They don't really know what direction they're going and they're trying to find out right. their identity. They've had some flops the past couple of years. So I think Real Muto has to be in your crosshairs. Um, and I think, I, I really like Miguel Andujar. He's very talented. Um clearly he doesn't have a spot on the starting rotation. And clearly he's not really trusted by the Yankees analytics, which is sad. I, for one, am a fan of him. But once again, the Yankees analytics clearly play favorites. And we'll talk about that more, I guess, when we get to the bullpen stuff. But mm-hmm. um if you're gonna trade Anduhar, you need to trade him at this point for a top, top tier catcher or for a strong starter, a strong reliever. Um, if, if you're getting a strong return, I have no problem. Sure. But If you're getting even just a mid tier
2: player, I don't think it's, it's okay to trade Anduhar. So going back to Sanchez, I think you absolutely have to let him go this off season for your sake. And for his sake, I think I like when the Yankees were shopping around Sonny Gray, everyone was like, Oh, someone's going to get a really good pitcher. It just didn't work out in New York. And I think that's what we're going to see with Sanchez. I think he's going to go somewhere and he's going to hit 30 home runs and be good again. Um, oh, but my God. That's not going to happen in New York, I think. So for his sake and for your sake, I think you have to move on. Um, and I don't see them making a move for Real Muto. And this is kind of like a big splash. And I guess we can get into this later. But I think if you're going to get Real Muto, I think you would have to trade someone like a Aroldis Chapman. To clear up some cap space, um, and with the way mm-hmm. you know Chapman, he's been overall pretty good, but it seems that some fans and maybe some people around the organization have started to turn on him based on his playoff performance. Um, Just well, couldn't clutch, yeah, no, clutch situations. Be, not I all that good. I would be great. shocked to see them make that kind of move, but I think if they were mm-hmm. going to spend the money for Real Muto, that would have to happen. Or I. This is not even going to happen at all. But they would have to move on from Stanton. They would have to trade him or something. And they're just not going to do that. So I think, I don't know if Real Muto fits mm-hmm. financially, is basically what I'm saying, unless they make that Chapman kind of move. Um, and I know, I guess I can let other people touch on this too, but the free agent catcher market isn't that great this year behind Real Muto. So I would wonder if, I would expect them to try to explore that trade market and I know some names that Brandon I think James threw around you know Mitch Garver struggled this year from Minnesota maybe like a Sanchez for Garver kind of swap change of scenery try to get both guys going or you mm-hmm. know like an Aaron Austin Nola sorry um, or there was another name but I, I would expect expect them to be more active in the trade market rather than a free agent
1: yeah agreed I think mm-hmm. Sanchez is window has come and gone every year he he has got he's regressed more and more and i think Higashioka proved that while he's not a superstar he he can be a reliable catcher he basically took over uh being garrett cole's personal catcher uh just before the postseason started and i think that if you're going to move on from sanchez package him with anduhar and get a, a good uh reliever or a good starter, or even you know, just like a, a, a slew of good prospects. If anything, you know, restack the farm system. But one thing I text, we were texting earlier this week about that I was actually wrong about is I thought Romine signed a two-year deal with Detroit. knowing he only signed one. We've seen Austin Romine can handle catching in New York. He might be worth looking into.
2: Yeah, a, pl- huh. a platoon of, a platoon yeah, of could Romine in Higashioka would be, as a Yankee fan, would be kind of funny, but I, honestly, I wouldn't hate it.
3: Think about it. That's yeah. I don't know how much He's of experience there. I, I mean, I guess the catcher catching's not strong in the league right now. Um, exactly. I get it. You and can't think- go after every top position player, but a Garver or a Real Muto that hits a lot different than a Higashioka.
1: Exactly. Well, well let's keep in mind that the Yankees <laughs> have had have in the last two drafts in the first and second round have drafted very highly regarded catching. So do you want right, to yes. invest in a long-term catching solution when you've already put huge sign bonuses and first-round draft picks and catching prospects? If anything, maybe just have like a stopgap for two or three years. And then when either Anthony Siegler or Austin Wells are MLB ready, then you can kind of work them in. Do we know where well, they're so at, mm-hmm.
3: James? Do you know where they're at in their development? I couldn't speak on that.
1: Uh, I do. Well, well, Austin Wells just got drafted a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago. So he's... Basically, basically yeah. non-existent, but let me see where Anthony Ziegler has. Uh... And
0: while you he, Wells was at a college, yeah, though, I believe, so he might be a little bit closer than some, uh, you know, some prospects at a high school, but still. Um, and I think Siegler is he's... around, like Charleston or uh, yeah, Tampa so... at this point. So, he was, he was in, Char- area, he was so in he Charleston
2: last year, so go. he's barely. He hasn't even hit double A yet. Yeah, so if you're if you're making catcher right, plans, right. I. I think you totally ignore the fact that you have those two. Like, it's great to have them and they could definitely mm-hmm. be impacts. But I think if you can get like a real Muto or something and you like mm-hmm. the price, or if you can get like a good young catcher on the trade market and you like the cost, I think you'd do it because I mean, Siegler was a first round pick and he was a top five prospect for in the Yankees organization. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of like kind of fallen off a little bit. So he could, very easily like many prospects just kind of fall out of nowhere uh kind of just fall off face of the earth yeah and wells i remember when they drafted and the big thing was is he a long-term catcher um so i feel mm-hmm. like there's too much uncertainty with those two and just prospects in general to kind of not go after someone like real muto or someone in the trade market um mm-hmm. but other than that i mean I I mean, that's why I don't really have like a direct solution for them. um, But I think they're going to have to make a move. Yeah,
0: I agree. Um, My opinion on this is, yeah, I I think it it, it definitely very much uh, happened this offseason. I think, I mean, Real Muto would be my top choice, honestly, Um, if the Yankees, you know, want to get someone in there who's going to be better than Gary Sanchez mid to long term. Um, I do think Steve Cohen, the new Mets owner and the Mets themselves, their front office are going to pursue Real Muto really hard um, and, you know, try to get him to come to New York, but come to Queens and not the Bronx um, and are probably going to give him. I I think the the Mets are going to spend big money on some free agents this year. So I would definitely watch out for the Mets uh, potentially trying to almost like outbid for him than, you know, other teams who wanted a free agency. Someone else I do like that I believe is a free agent is um, James McCann, right. the uh, the White Sox catcher. He showed some serious promise, um, and he's also someone that I wouldn't, you know, not not necessarily a long long term. Um, so even if you have him for, you know, a couple of years and then you have Wells or Siegler very much ready to go, you know, in the minors in a couple of years and ready to uh, play, um, you know, up in the uh, the big leagues, um, you know, that could potentially be a kind of short to midterm move for them as well. Something like McCann. Um, well, then um, I guess another, I know we we can jump over to Andahar if anybody had another, uh, you know, opinion on him as well. Um, I know MJ yeah, was touching I, on so that I think, a
2: little bit. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, please. MJ, go with no, you go. You are. Uh, you're just a quickly, I don't
3: want to. Miguel Andahar is a very good baseball player. I think he's gotten the short end of the stick uh, from the organization, much like Clint Frazier. I don't mm-hmm. think he's been given much of a chance. We forget that he finished second in Rookie of the Year ahead of Glaver Torres, and probably you could argue he should have beaten Shohei Otani. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I really want to see him have the opportunity to excel. He honestly hasn't. Um, gotten that chance, and we saw that with him even being left off the playoff roster this year. So, um, I would really love to see good things from Andohar. I know that Gio Urshela is much better than anybody could have expected, and we have DJ and Glaber. Um, and if we're gonna get rid of him, you have to make sure that you prop him up for what he is and and get a good return. But
2: that's all I have
3: to say on Andohar.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you nailed like your first analysis of Andujar when you were talking earlier. Um, It sucks that he has kind of been cast off to the side. Um, And I think if you can trade him for like a huge difference maker, you do it. But I don't think you have to. And my main reason for that is I think you look at last year and all the injuries that the team had and they were still able to somehow tread water and be relevant. And I think Even if you have, even if you re-sign DJ and you have Voight, DJ, Glaber, and Herschel as your starting defense, those guys are going to get banged up. You can easily get, and you are into that rotation kind of between DH and third base and maybe even left field. Um, So, Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I thought they totally mishandled this year is he needed more at-bats. And I feel like they could have put him in positions to get more at-bats, but they just didn't for some reason. Um. and I think if they somehow don't re-sign DJ LeMahieu, I think we're going to see Miguel Andujar be the starting third baseman next year, and I think they're going to try to slide Gio over to second, um, and that's a totally different conversation is what if they don't re-sign DJ, mm-hmm. but I think there is value to holding on to Andujar still, and then finally, I mean, his trade value has never been lower uh, since he came up. So at the very least, you need to let him get his at-bats early in the season. And then if you need to make a move, trade him. Uh, but right now, his stock is just too low because of how you've treated him, basically.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I think anybody that would take Gio, Gio Rochella off third base is crazy. I mean, his, his defense... It- is worth it is worth maybe in what he doesn't get an extra base hits his defense more than picks that up so i think he's he's the clear choice because he's earned it i think
2: well yeah i i agree i just i don't know who else you would put at i guess this is a totally different conversation but i don't know who else you would put at second right if if dj isn't brought back i guess you could move torres to second and try geo at short but that's getting a little adventurous i think tyler wade yeah, but then you want Tyler Wade playing every day? No, I don't.
1: I'm saying if you well, – it depends. Well, if, I, I think they're <laughs> insane if they don't bring LeMahieu back, so I'm not even – I'm, yeah, I'm so, just not even venturing I mean, into that we world don't yet.
2: To, we don't need to have that conversation. That was just uh, pumping up the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: value of um, um, Andrew well, well, Offensively, he's he's valuable. The problem is he just doesn't have – he hasn't been able to showcase it. That's the problem. You know it's there. He just hasn't been able to demonstrate it. So it's, he's, a he's, a, he's a toss-up at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel like for most of this year when there were injuries, I think there were times I was saying that Andujar would be the best hitter in the lineup. You could easily have called him up from the alternate site and he could have hit third and no one would have batted an eye.
0: So I think the last guy, I mean, in terms of what we should do with him specifically, if he's going to be on the team, um, Brett Gardner, I know he did have a quote saying he would love to come back next year, but he did kind of have an abysmal year this year. Didn't look that great. I know he's kind of like the uh, the longest, one of the longest tenured Yankees. You know, he's a big uh, um, kind of personality to have in that. Uh, you know, in that locker room, he's he's got that fiery personality that I think the Yankees could really use. But when does it get to a point when we have too much depth? And, you know, especially with the emergence of Clint Frazier as an outfielder and as a hitter this season, um, you might almost be time to make that business decision and uh, let Brett Gardner go. So, so I just you can thought of this. Clint Frazier. this was not
3: in my prep, but um, maybe you give Brett Gardner the Ichiro treatment um, and you say, hey, uh, you're going to start the season with us. We'll give you a one-year uh, contract. Um and you see how spring training goes and maybe how April and May go and how you're feeling and how we're feeling about you. And if you're not doing well, then we would love to have you in the dugout mm-hmm. as a coach. Um, but if you are doing well, then yeah, you can continue to fight for at bats and stuff like that. It'd be Once again, just like Kratz, that's not an energy you want to lose after we already lost Didi. Um, and so right. maybe you, and Brett Gardner is a team player. Maybe you give him something where it's, hey, if you are able to perform, then you're able to perform when we're very happy to have you. And if if not, we still want you to be a part of this team, but we're just not going to have you
2: eating up our at-bats. Yeah, I just, I don't see any reason why Brett Gardner can't be on the team. I think, you know, I talked about how they've kind of been missing that winning edge, that attitude. And I feel like Gardner is the only guy left from like that, those previous years that kind of has that um, i think he has to be on the team next year um, and i think clint frazier also has to be the starting left fielder so i think brett gardner is gonna have to be like a bench guy but honestly if he wants to do that and he wants to come back i don't see any reason why you can't have him back
0: yeah and then also another point um, so I know this is kind of getting off, but that's a lot of outfielders. Um, do you move on from, like, Mike Talkman? Because, obviously, Judge hates go, Stanton going anywhere. Let him go. Um, let so him that's go. a discussion as well. Let, let him go. Say Frazier, you think so, No, nope. so he can
2: do it. Give me all the depth. I am not – Mike Talkman. I believe <laughs> he still has options left, if maybe just one. So, I mean, if you need to stow him in the minors for a little bit, you do it. We've seen the injuries – and sure, like Frazier, Judge, and Hicks is like a solid starting outfielder outfield. And then you have Stanton DHing every day. And if you keep Gardner, that's five. But I just, I feel like you need that depth. And don't forget that the um, roster size, I believe, goes up to 26 next year as opposed to 25. So I think mm. that does give you that's extra time to carry someone like a Mike Talkman. Um, and I have one more wild kind of – it has to do with the outfield. That's why one more wild thing that I would do this offseason, but I can kind of wait, and I'll talk about that later.
3: I I'll, agree I on the fin- depth. Okay. Um, I was going to say then, the same exact thing Tyler did. I do not trust the Yankees medical staff. The last two years have told us that you need to have that depth, <laughs> and Talkman has been huge. So, sure, maybe he's not – he's absolutely not an MLB starter right now with everybody healthy. But he might be somebody you need to call upon. And his speed was very helpful right. uh, this season and in the postseason. So I I say you have to you have to keep him on the
0: on the roster. That's fair enough. I think you guys all make good points. Um so I think uh actually another guy and situation we should discuss too is the closer situation. Um what to do with the roll chapman. Um I would imagine, you know, they're they're probably not gonna shop him or anything. They're gonna keep him around. But maybe, maybe you saw uh, a little bit of better performances from Zach Britton this year. Maybe so, you put Britton in the closer role. So um, if, but that's certainly I a topic. Start, I, think I have that some should strong be mentioned. feelings
3: on this. I think they're both <laughs> extremely yeah, go ahead. talented people, um, and they're ver- two of the best closer or two of the best relievers in the league. Um, I still think Aroldis mm-hmm. Chapman is uh, a premier reliever in the majors. Uh, I know that at this point, that's an unpopular opinion. Um, I think he's still your closer. Um, that doesn't mean that Britain can't become your bullpen ace like they started to dub during the twenty sixteen playoff right. run. But um Aroldi's Chapman has three gave up three very unfortunate home runs in his postseason career and two with the Yankees that ended our season twice. And it's very easy to be mad at him for that, but uh in this postseason, that was the only run he allowed. I know he didn't pitch a lot, but that was the mm. only run he allowed, and it was like the second hit he allowed. And then last season, it was the second run that he allowed. So, I mean, how tough can you yeah. be on the guy You're Yeah, in two terrible spots? Like James was saying, you could argue that Britain was the one that should have been in there in that moment. Um, And as you saw that inning Mm -hmm. work out and how that at-bat was working out, um, I could have told you that I would would have expected a home run there. Um, I mean, just the way that it was starting to uh, play out in the inning. Um, Mm -hmm. Once again, you have to keep, I think, both of them. I think Chapman and uh, Britton are phenomenal at what they need to do. Uh, I think Chapman re- stays your reliever, and maybe Britton's your pressure go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Close.
2: Yeah, I oh, think... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be... No, I'm just going to be quick. I agree with MJ with that bullpen ace thing. I think Zach Britton um, is obviously the better pitcher. Um, but like you saw with the 2016 Indians, they had Cody Allen as their closer and Andrew Miller. They would just kind of use. So I like Britton, especially with his ground ball ability, to come into big spots in a jam and get out of it. Whereas I'd rather Chapman be the closer coming in in a clean inning, I
1: I, I I do like that philosophy in principle. However, the only problem to me is Chapman has such a bad track record in big games in the postseason that I just don't. I've lost confidence in him in October. I just don't trust him, and and ultimately, you know, yeah. over the in the regular season, oh, not a problem. He comes in, uh, the game's done. But now in October, he he is just Every postseason, he's to the Rajay Davis home run in Game Seven in 2016. Another game where he was brought in in the seventh inning, and what? Ha- and oh, history repeats itself. He gave up a huge home run in the in the eighth inning, and uh, you know, in the 2017 ALCS, he gave up a walk- that big walk off double to Carlos Correa in uh, Houston. Tw- uh, 2019, we all know what happened there and this pat and you know gave gave up the big home run this fast one you know i right. think Chapman just and, and you know you you know obviously the regular season's important however you know you need guys that are gonna, you can count on in october like you know some examples uh, my favorite example is scott broches he was a guy that maybe wasn't like an elite player and you know maybe wasn't lighting the place up or doing anything special in the regular season but when october came he did everything and above correct or you know right he got every every big hit you could ever need he was one of the guys so you know to me that's that to me it's all boiling down to i'm i'm overly confident in our ability to get through the regular season i'm focusing strictly on what is everybody doing in october
2: so once I, i just once again i feel like chapman the big issue with him in the postseason and well like 2019 I think Altuve knew what pitch was coming, so I'm not going to blame him for that. And then this year, oh, this God, year, in yeah. 2016, I think he was misused. I think because Madden,
0: Madden in Game Six that.
2: used him for like three innings, and then brought him in in Game Seven, and he got ru- and he gave up that home run. And then you know a few days ago in Game Five, he was brought in to do what two and a third innings, and that's just not Chapman. I think it is. He's, he's the one. The he's guy. valuable if you use him. Right. Use him for an inning in a tie game or if you're up and that's it. And there is, I mean, if you don't like that, that's fine. Like, and you want a closer who can do more then sure. Go get someone else. But I feel like Chapman has been more misused than I And else. so
3: I think that by focusing and I'm yes, Rajay Davis home run and misuse there as a Yankee, you're talking about two tied games that he was in and yes, he gave up home runs and it was tragic both times. Uh, but that's failing to recognize um, the amount of saves and times that he got the job done in the playoffs from 2017 on. Um, right. And, I mean, I I want to make it clear. I am not saying Rose Chapman is Mariano Rivera, but Mariano Rivera who gave up some oh, big is. home runs. He, Mariano Rivera gave up some big home runs to David Ortiz, and nobody lost faith in him then. Um, so, you know, even the... People, mm-hmm. yeah, Chapman's not as clutch as Rivera, but even Rivera gave up home runs in blue-tied World Series games and lost. So, um mm-hmm. you know, two, three examples, he's not Armando Benitez. He's, you know, like, we're, <laughs> let's just, I don't know. I I know I'm, I'm probably coming from an yeah. unpopular opinion, I, but that's how I look at it. I, I think <laughs> that Chapman is getting... <laughs> is but I, I, it's it.
1: I, I just right. I don't That's I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just too locked in on what they're doing in October. But I just see him, and my my stomach churns when I see him come in in the playoffs.
3: Well, I I know I get it because I'm <laughs> Br- Brandon. Yeah, calls it the Arulas Chapman experience, and it's but usually he he gets himself out of it. Um, two tragic home runs,
2: absolutely terrible. But
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I th- I respect both opinions. And one on, more on that. one more thing.
2: Um, just in regards mm-hmm. to the bullpen, is I think we saw how valuable Tommy Canely is. Yep. And it, I mean, it sucks. We're not going to see him. Are we going to see him next year, too? Right. Like, he got Tommy John, right? So he might be um, out a large Probably large not beginning of next, of next year, year. year as well. So that's a big blow. So that I I kind of reinforces, I wouldn't reinforces the need to make a move, at least one medium-sized move in the bullpen.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't predict seeing him until mm-hmm. after the All-Star
2: break. No, for sure. Exactly.
0: Um, I think um, one more, at least one more um, kind of topic regarding the Yankees we should discuss. Um, I know, I believe Tanaka and Paxton yes. are both free agents after this year. Um, and I know there are some questions with the rotation, um, whether if they're going to want to resign here. They're, uh, I know Paxton's coming off uh, a bit of an injury. Um, and then, of course, you know, Tanaka hasn't had the best season. Um, this shortened season, um, so those are both kind of question marks. So um, I think we should give it our opinion of you know kind of what the rotation situation is, and um, if you think, then we can always get into you know maybe who they should pursue in free agency if they do want to go down that route. So whoever wants to uh, so I start think with that.
2: I think Tanaka has to come back. Um, yes, he struggled in the postseason mm-hmm. on both of his starts this year, but before that in the postseason he was stellar for the Yankees and overall. Over his seven years, he's been very good. So I just I don't know. I think you have to bring him back. Um, obviously, if it somehow we get into like a bidding war and it's like a huge amount of money, like I would understand that as well. But I think I think you got to bring mm-hmm. him back. Um, Paxton is a bit more expendable. Um, I think that's because of his injury issues. Uh, like he pitched well in the playoffs. He pitched well for the most part when he was pitching in the regular season last year but I don't know if I trust his ability to stay on the field. Um, so I would be fine rolling into next year with re-signing Tanaka and then maybe making one more minor move in the, re- in the offseason. Uh, I look at someone like Jake Odorizzi, um, mm-hmm. just kind of fill out like the middle, the back end of that rotation. And I would opening day rotation of Cole, Severino, Tanaka, um, and then like Odorizzi with Montgomery and Garcia uh, battling mm-hmm. for like a, fifth, sixth spot, kind of, because you need that kind of depth. You need seven or eight starters, really. So I would take that, uh, and then Clark Schmidt would be the seventh there, I guess. So I would take that rotation going into next year. MJ?
3: Yeah, um, I think you have to go uh, after both of them. Uh, I don't – playoff Tanaka, as we talk about, I don't think he's ever going to come back. Um, That doesn't mean that he can't handle pressure and stuff. I just don't think we're ever going to see him as lights out as he was – uh, in postseasons previous to this one, uh, and I think James Paxton is a very talented pitcher um, who gets uh, bad treatment from Yankee fans, um, and so I you have to give them both shots. Uh, and then um, you know Schmidt and Devi, obviously, um, they're going to bring back Domingo Herman, who I just want to make it clear I do not want on the Yankees roster. Um, you know, after being suspended for stuff like that. Uh, and then you, you get Sevy back and Jay Hap still has the talent. He might, um, you know, so you never know what you're going to get with a Hap or a Paxton. Uh, you see flashes um, and, but yeah, you have to give contracts to both Tanaka and Paxton, I think, or at least offers. James. Uh,
1: I will pay the Yankees to let me come to Yankee stadium and pack up Haps and Paxton's lockers for them. I want, oh, I want them out. Adios. <laughs> get out of town. And the Yankees need to save the money on signing Real Muto and spend the money to to get Trevor Bauer for even just one year. I'm telling no, you no. because he. Well, no, no, no. Hear me, hear me out on this one. <laughs> hear me out on this one. He's the guy who has stated he only wants to sign one year deals the rest of his career. So if it doesn't work out or by midseason he and Gary Cole want to strangle each other, then trade him. Fine, minimal impact. <laughs> but you know, and you know, like somebody said, whatever we would lose in the. uh Uh, guardy, fiery competitiveness, I think we would get in Trevor Bauer. He's a guy that really is like that lightning rod that doesn't mind maybe being a little bit crazier, being the one to say the outrageous thing that people, you know, kind of want to hear a player say and let the other guys just, you know, kind of, you know, be in the background on that stuff. You know, maybe maybe that's something the Yankees need. Maybe they need that one, like, fiery
0: out there guy. I knew that was going to be an un- unpopular. I don't, no, I, I love them.
3: I don't think Bauer's that person. I don't need to get into it. Cause then we're just going to sidetrack about Trevor Bauer. And that's exactly what he wants us to do. But, um, I mean, I, I get your point. Uh, I don't know if Bauer's the one that meshes, uh, certainly, uh, money for real Muto is a great point And that's money. That's going to be going to Tanaka and Hap and Paxton.
2: Well, mm-hmm. Hap is, Pap is probably going to be a free agent. He had like a vesting option or whatever, and he didn't hit the innings. Thing. Yeah. So he's a free agent, and I don't see them bringing him and back.
1: He's been terrible in October. The Yankees traded for him to, for his ability to pitch in October in 2018, and what has he not done? He has not pitched well in October. Mm-hmm. So the reason why they got him is a moot point. Let him go. And
2: he has, he he's up there at well. the age, too. Yeah, so uh, I Is everyone done with their opinions on the pitching, those free agents? Yeah, 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 and then I I
0: think we should just – we can discuss um, uh, any other free agents you might be thinking the Yankees should pursue.
2: Yeah, so this isn't a free agent that the Yankees should pursue, um, but it goes with the roster, kind of what they need to do this offseason, I think, is I think during the division series we saw, and during the struggles during the regular season, we saw such a reliance on the home run. That I think not only do they need to re-sign DJ Lemayhu, they need another similar DJ Lemayhu kind of guy in the lineup. Um, and so when I was looking, tried, trying to think of who that could be, uh, I had a hard time thinking of someone. But I was even like, where does that come in the lineup? Because you have starters cemented at basically every position aside from catcher. So you've got you know Voight, uh DJ, if you re-signing, assuming you re-sign him, Glaber, Geo, Clint. Hicks and judge and then Stanton DH. And so MJ, I know for certain MJ and Brandon know about my disdain for the way Aaron Hicks plays. Mm. So if I'm the Yankees, I am looking for any way to trade Aaron Hicks and try to get someone else who can just play good defense, be a reliable, like 300 hitter to stick in that lineup. Um, It doesn't have to be like a superstar, but I feel like Hicks. Yeah. He gets on base, but he also gets out a hell of a lot. Um, and so they need someone who is just is going to be like Mayhew. And no matter what, he's going to get on base, get hits uh, in big spots. Uh, and just doesn't get out. And I think, I, I don't know. I was looking at free agents. Uh, Kevin Pillar was the first name I noticed. But he doesn't, I mean, he could be someone he had a good year. Um, but I think I mean, I haven't looked into anyone in particular, but I think probably the trade market would be the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would, l- I don't see it happening, but that contract with Hicks, I think teams would take it because it's not all that much. And they teams like control. Um, and I would like to get rid of it, honestly. And I just don't think Hicks provides much value at all. Mm,
1: I, I, I disagree. I think Hicks is good to have in the lineup. He's fast. You know, this year he was an inconsistent year for him. I will admit, this was an inconsistent season, but he's got a good arm. He has a good glove, which, if you're going to have Aaron Judge and uh, uh, Clint Frazier on either side of you, it's helpful to have one really re- reliable outfielder in between them. And even if Stanton gets a start in left field, I think he, Aaron Hicks, I mean, they gave the guy a seven year contract, they see something in him.
2: Well, that's what they see something in him. I don't expect this to happen. It's just what I would do. Um, and looking at Hicks' defense, like I've always agreed that he was a good defender, obviously great arm, but I feel like he's also gotten very lazy out there. Uh, even in the postseason, there was a little blooper hit behind second base, and Brett Gardner got to the ball before him. Um, and I believe Gio made like a crazy over-the-back catch, and Gardner was closer to him than Hicks was, and Hicks was in center field. Um, so I just, I don't know, Hicks? like, I feel like you can replace his defense, Mm -hmm. but I feel like he came up in so many big spots and just didn't do anything. Um, And like I said, he gets on base. He was like top 10 in the American league on base percentage, but his OPS and all of his other stats are way below average. So uh, if your best attribute is getting on base, standing there without a bat in your hand and walking a few times, um, I feel like that's easily replaceable. And i I mean, this is more about trying to find someone more like LeMayhew rather than it is anti-Hicks, even though I'm not a big fan <laughs> of Hicks. I just think they need to find someone who can be like LeMayhew, like a 300-hitter. And maybe that's Andujar, but then obviously you have the issue of trying to fit him in somewhere defensively. Um, so, I don't, So Tyler, you know, are you just... thinking along the lines of like a Byron Buxton kind of player? No. Well, well but now Buxton's not proven enough. I mean, I just... I don't know. Kevin Pillar took my mind, hit my mind. Um, I just want someone who you know can hit for average, just put the ball in play, get on base, and then plays defense that is at least reasonable enough. I got a player for you you who they should trade for. Upgrade over Hicks. What's that? Who's that? Mike Trout. Yeah, I was gonna make that. So. That's what I haven't. I, this is a thought that came to my head literally this afternoon. Like I didn't, I don't have any player in mind, but I just think they need another Lemayhu like bat, and I think Hicks is the most expendable starter. More than Sanchez, yeah, for sure. Um, well, no, and, but I don't consider.
0: Yeah, him. I mean, I, I, I don't know, um, but it, that that
2: that's hard to tell. Uh, and also, James with Sanchez at the catcher position, usually you're not gonna get. Especially now, you're not going to get... Unless you get Real you're not going to get someone who hits 300, kind of. Yeah. You're a lower average kind of power guy. So that was my thinking with that as well. I think catching is the biggest weakness. But I think other than that, if you're looking to add like a LeMahieu-style bat, I think center field is the... Really, the only spot you can do that.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, my, uh, we already spoke about managerial coaching staff, but I think really the best way to fix the hitting and kind of get to the offensive philosophy you're talking about is let Marcus Timms become manager of the Detroit Tigers and get a different batting coach. They need uh, Timms; he t- t- teaches them only to hit home runs. He does not teach them, well, you know, singles, doubles, anything.
2: Well, I think that starts with the organization too, um, and that's like with Hicks. I think he's an obviously a great athlete. I could think. I think he could be a great role player if he kind of he's has embraced kind of like the three true outcomes: home run, walk, strikeout. Like that's Aaron Hicks. But I feel like if he embraced more of like a Brett Gardner kind of speed contact role, he would be much more valuable. The whole um, the whole lineup embraced that; they'd be all more valuable. Well, <laughs> I think I think it's okay to have a few guys, uh, like power guys, but. Like, you see Aaron Hicks, there was a point in one of the playoff series, I don't remember exactly the situation, but the whole left side was open and he was hitting before Stanton, who was red hot, and then Voight, who was your MVP this year. And he could have easily just dunked a little bunt down there, gone to first, and then <laughs> hope someone knocks you in. But instead, he swung for the fences three times and swung struck out on three pitches. And that, to me, is mm-hmm. just like... That's an opportunity where you can get on base for these guys to yes. then you in. Um, so it's okay. It's okay to have like power guys like that, but they need more of the contact kind of guy. And one name that just popped into my head, I don't think he's a free agent, but he either this year or next year, Michael Brantley would be fit that role perfectly, but I don't think he's available.
0: Yeah, um and someone think, like that. Yep, I, I think that's a good segue into I think we should just go around at the end here um and maybe just kind of uh, go around and maybe any um any free agents or really just players you think the Yankees should trade for, anybody that we didn't discuss yet. Um I can I I'll, I'll just kind of jump in first here. Um I think one That would be perfect. Um, I know he has a little bit of a contract right now um, would be Whit Merrifield, just because he's like basically a utility player that gets a ton of hits. Um, And, you know, he's like led the league almost in hits a few years. Um, And, you know, I know he's traditionally an infielder, but he, uh, you know, he, he has played a little bit of center field as well.
2: That can be that second Lemay you are talking about,
0: right? But I think I, I do think the Royals value him too much, and he's kind of like their franchise guy. And I I would imagine he's... they're not going to want to trade him at
2: all. So he's not a free agent. He's just you trade speculation. Yeah,
0: and I, he agreed. Um, I believe February 2019. Um, he had a four-year contract. Um, so that's already done. So I guess he would have two more years. It seems like. Um, so I don't know. It's that's hard to tell. But that honestly, somebody like that would just be the dream for the Yankees lineup. A guy that can, he's fast. He can, you know, um, he can get on base almost all the time. Um, You know, he can play almost any position. If you have a hole you need to fill, um, I think he would be perfect in that Yankees lineup. Um, So I think that's kind of a big one that I wish they could trade for. But like I said, I doubt Kansas City will want to give him up. Um, and then, um, you know, another guy that I know has been tossed around a ton, even the past few years for the Yankees is Brewers hard throwing lefty reliever, Josh Hader. And that's, uh, that's an interesting one that I know has always been rumored to the Yankees.
1: I'd say package together, Chapman, Andrew Andujar, and, uh, Sanchez to get <laughs> Hader out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe Ooh, a prospect.
1: or I'm willing to tear a good bit of this down.
0: How about Keston Hura too?
1: Hey, why not?
0: Uh, he's an infielder, so I don't know if that'll work.
1: Get Joe Kelly.
0: Joe Kelly, geez. Um, Tyler, did you have any specific names you wanted to mention? That you
2: know... Yeah, so I'm actually looking at a list of free agents right now, and mm-hmm. I found someone who I think could fit that mold of what I was looking for in center field, and it's a guy they talked about at the trade deadline, Starling Marte. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking him too. He's an interesting That's name. A he's a free agent. Um, and then looking kind of, I mentioned Jake Odorizzi earlier and now looking into like bullpen. Um, I guess Liam Hendricks is a free Mm -hmm. agent. Um, obviously he would come at quite the price, but if you were to want to move on from someone like Chapman, you could bring Liam Hendricks in to be your closer and keep Britain in kind of that, uh, setup role. Um, and then a couple other reliever names, Alex Colomay. He's -hmm. like been a solid reliever for the white Sox. Um, and again, I, don't think you need to look for like a huge big name reliever. I think you just need someone that can help get the ball to those big guys more uh, until like Canely gets back. So I think column could be fairly cheap enough. Um, And then uh, crazy ideas here. Um, David Robertson has a club option and Dylan and has a player option. Um, And I doubt Robertson's option is going to be picked up. Because of his injuries, this he got surgery twenty nineteen and missed all of this year and most of last year. So Phillies really haven't seen any return on that contract. So he could be an interesting guy to bring back. Um and I believe Patance has kind of struggled this year with the Mets. Um so maybe those guys could come back, bring some familiarity. I could
0: totally see the the Yankees are, of course, you know, they're they're one of those teams oh, that likes to bring was... guys back. I think both, you know, both of them that actually seems kind of realistic.
2: Here's here's another name. This reliever market is pretty good, actually. Um, Kirby Yates. Mm. He could be an interesting That's one. An interesting idea. Yeah, he was very good closer for San Diego, but kind of got hurt mm-hmm. this year. So he could be a nice nice piece.
0: Yeah. Um. MJ, do you but have overall,
3: any
2: names? Yeah. So I was thinking the same.
3: Um, things that have already been mentioned. I was thinking along the lines of a Josh Hader was the one that really came to mind to me and, uh, Kirby Yates. Uh, certainly Hendricks is another interesting option. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Aaron Boone and we didn't talk a lot about Brian Cashman in the front office. Um, Brian Cashman has really whiffed, I think recently. Um, and he missed a lot of opportunities at the trade deadline to give us a hater while the brewers were struggling Um, Or a Hendricks I guess the A's were doing pretty okay But um, So, you know, once again I don't really know what they're looking at What they're looking for If you want to improve your bullpen Certainly a uh, hater uh, Yates is the way to do it Um, But I don't really see anything Outside of Real Muto Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Tyler mentioned Starling Marte That is interesting Um, But
0: other than that, no, I don't have anything else and then James, did you have any other names besides the ones you mentioned?
1: Um, I'm I'm just locked in on Trevor Bauer, that's all.
0: <laughs> all right. Well you can have right, that well. you, you can have that opinion. <laughs> um, we we won't we won't I've judge got, you any
2: further for that. Um, I've got two more two more guys I want to bring oh up that, like not free agents, but in terms of trade. I think Francisco Lindor is an interesting one. Yeah. Especially if kind of LeMayhu gets out of your price range. I think then a trade for Lindor that may a package that may include and Duhar mm-hmm. that could come into play. um, And then the other name is, this is just purely me speculating. I think you have to approach the giants about Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of fallen yes. off a little bit Um, and his contracts up after 2022. So he would only be on your books for two more years and they have Joey Bart, who they brought up this year and he right. played fairly well so they may want him to get more uh the catching time. Mm-hmm. So I would at least explore that if I were the Yankees.
0: That's a great point. Um but yeah, we will see what happens this off season. Um I'm sure there will definitely be some things happening not just with the Yankees, but around the league as a whole. Um otherwise that pretty much wraps it up. Um I'm glad you guys came on and we got our our emotions out about the Yankees 2020 season ending um definitely looking forward to 2021 looking forward to bigger and better things um but thanks everybody for listening go follow us on the the sports throne is our instagram handle and then sports throne hub is our twitter handle definitely go give us a follow out there um, and we will more than likely have another episode later this week, uh, probably talk some football. So definitely be looking out for that as well. Um, otherwise I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. Um, and peace out.
2: Start spreading
1: the news. I'm leaving today.
3: I want to be a part of it, New York, New York. These vagabond shoes
1: are longing to stray.